Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Money in the Bank 2023 post-show for July 1st, 2023. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday evenings, wherever you may be. Was it a newsworthy afternoon? Yes. Yes, it was. It was a very newsworthy afternoon. There was a lot that happened at Money in the Bank. A lot of things to discuss. A lot of things that happened. And the reasons behind them, you'll find out here. So if you're new around here, or if you're an OG of the channel around these parts... You know exactly what you're going to get into tonight, man. I am locked and loaded to let you know what the fuck is going on, okay? Very newsworthy evening. Very newsworthy evening. Was it a... Listen, was it a great show? I wouldn't necessarily call it great. It wasn't a great show. The crowd was fucking phenomenal. One of the best crowds, maybe the best crowd all year. I, I absolutely adore... 
all of the live UK audiences that digest professional wrestling. There is legitimately nothing like a, a, a European UK crowd live for any sporting event. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, you know, with pro wrestling. It happens with everything. It's just a different energy. They made the show great. They made Money in the Bank special. If this was in the United States, it wouldn't be half as good as it was tonight in London at the O2. Was it a great show? That's up for debate. Was it the best show of the entire year? No, it was not. I've seen some people in the chat already saying it was the best pay-per-view of the entire year. I'm going to have to ask you guys to come to a full stop with that narrative right now. It was not. I'm not even talking about AEW. I'm not talking about All Elite Wrestling. I'm talking about WWE-wise. I would actually take Backlash and WrestleMania Night 1 over what happened tonight. But we are not talking about Backlash and WrestleMania Night 1. We're talking about Money in the Bank. It was a good show. There were some things on this show that I don't necessarily have any interest in, or I didn't have any interest coming into this show in regards to these things. Might as well get them off my chest right now. Cody Rhodes and Dominic, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor, they were more suited for Monday Night Raw. Absolutely zero interest in both of those matches. Uh, And the funny thing is, I have interest in Balor and the Judgment Day, but what they produced tonight in that World Championship match was best suited for a main event slot on Monday Night Raw with two commercial breaks. That's that type of match. Whatever they produced in that ring was not a PLE-worthy world championship match for WWE or for both competitors, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Absolutely underwhelming, to say the least. I would not go back ever and rewatch that match. Same thing for Cody Rhodes and Dominic Mysterio. No Lesnar, no real interest at all going into it. They didn't do shit. They'll probably save Lesnar for Monday. They didn't really want to fly him and buy him an overseas ticket to come interfere in the match and set it up for SummerSlam with Cody because we all know what's coming. So minus those two matches, you know, I thought Money in the Bank was a serviceable show. Absolutely. The big thing that happened tonight, clearly, it's going to be the biggest thing, maybe one of the biggest things in all of pro wrestling all year is Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is no longer undefeated in the last three and a half years. That stopped tonight. Jey Uso was the first man to pin Roman Reigns in three and a half years clean in the center of the ring. Now, I said before we got into this pay-per-view, I did not want to see Roman Reigns lose. I did not want to see Roman Reigns take the pinfall loss in this match. I was hoping that there was some other way they were going to go about doing the ending. And unfortunately, Roman Reigns and his streak of being unpinned came to an end tonight. Jay Uso was the man. Jay Uso now more than likely will challenge Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam. Will he win it? I don't think so, but everybody said tonight coming into this thing that Roman wasn't going to get pinned, and here we are. So who knows what's going to happen, but more than likely Roman will not be dropping the title to Jey Uso 
at SummerSlam. Roman's more than likely going to be holding that championship going into WrestleMania. I thought the match was great. I thought the match was basically everything that you've come to love and know about Roman Reigns, but in tag team for uh, tag team form and with his entire family. You know, it includes Solo and Jay and Jimmy. Give us a tag team element with the Civil War tagline behind it. It was basically every Roman Reigns match that you've seen in this run. Very slow and brooding and, you know, methodical. And then it builds to the big climax at the end of the match. Kickouts and story and just just driven by fucking narrative and, and story at the end of the match. Love it. Love it. I know WWE tried to keep this as secretive as possible. Now we know why. They didn't want anybody knowing. They wanted the genuine reaction of everybody. Oh, my God, Roman Reigns pinned after three and a half years. I know a lot of people are already calling for Jay Uso to beat Roman Reigns for the world championship. I, I see it all over social media already, all over Twitter. That is not the outcome. It's not. I don't know how you guys come to that conclusion. Jay Uso is going to be the, the universal champion. I, I just don't see that as a possibility. Like he'll come close, but I don't see main event Jay Uso legitimately holding the championship as the guy on SmackDown to lead the show. I, I just don't see it. What WWE did tonight took a lot of fucking balls. It took a lot of balls. I didn't think that they were going to do it. One thing that I already put out there is Cody's story has been diminished. I, I don't know what they do from here. I don't know how they're going to captivate the audience on Cody Rhodes. I don't. I think that ship has fucking sailed. That ship is long gone. What they did tonight took balls and it diminished everything that Cody Rhodes sought after as far as chasing Roman Reigns for the Universal Heavyweight Championship. You can sit there and agree with me or not. What they did tonight, I don't want to say completely ruined, but oh my God, man, they took what could have been a great story and taking the next guy in Cody to replace Roman, and they've basically killed all mystique of it. It's almost as if WWE is going into that. If that's still the plan, they're going into it with half a heart. They're not going into it complete. No matter what you think, Roman Reigns being undefeated for three and a half years was a predominant part of the story. I don't give a shit what Cody says he's chasing. I don't give a shit what Cody says he's after, whether it's the Universal Championship or the WWE Championship. I don't give a shit how many chapters he wants to write before finishing his story. I don't give a shit who he dedicates it to. I don't. I don't give a shit. The story was Cody beating Roman. You don't think going into WrestleMania, now that we've already seen what we've seen tonight... You don't think Cody going into WrestleMania and beating Roman is going to feel different now that Roman's already been beaten? That was half of the story. 
The other half of the story was winning the world championship. Now he's going to be winning the world championship. And at the end of WrestleMania, who the fuck is going to care? Who's going to care as much as they should be caring about crowning the next guy in Cody Rhodes? You're going into it with half a fucking heart. You're going into it half a soul. It's over. So what are, what are you trying to relate to me? You, you trying to relate to me that Cody beating Roman's going to be a big deal? Roman's already been beaten. He hasn't lost the championship, but Roman has already been beaten. At that point, Cody Rhodes is just winning a championship, and he's like everybody else. Everybody wins championships. Everybody wins the big one at some stage of their career. Winning the big one against Roman for the championship and beating him for the first time in four years was the story. Now the story is just like everybody else. Cody is like everybody else. Cody winning a championship is going to be like everybody else winning a championship. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but that is the story. Cody's story is now over. Cody's story is now finished. Cody's story is now Jay Uso's or Jimmy Uso's or Solo's story. See, you guys got to understand something. The balls that WWE had tonight to do what they did to Roman were so big that... It is unusual for us to be sitting here talking about Roman being pinned in WWE. See, what you don't understand is that when Cody came into the WWE, he was the hot hand. When Cody came into the WWE, he was the the biggest star not named Roman Reigns immediately. Why was Cody Rhodes the biggest star when he came into WWE? At WrestleMania, when he wrestled Seth Rollins, he got the big grand entrance. He got the big stage. And then he goes and does what he does. He wins the Rumble. He goes to Mania. He wrestles Roman, the guy, the number one guy in the business at WrestleMania. Comes close, doesn't get the job done. Why was Cody so big when he came back to WWE? Does anybody want to answer that question for me? You don't, you don't really want to know the truth to that, to that question. You don't really want to know the answer to that question because I have a lot of people in the chat and a lot of people on social media that are going to basically call me an AEW shill and, and Tony Khan dick sucker and all this other shit that I hear every other fucking day on social media. Do you want to know why Cody Rhodes was a big star upon coming into the WWE? It's because of what he did outside of the WWE. It's because of what he did with AEW. It's because of what he did with Tony Khan as an executive vice president. WWE's cards... They held them so close to the vest. Now WWE is starting to slowly reveal their cards at the poker table to you. See, Cody Rhodes was a big star because of what he did in AEW and on the indies for seven years before returning to World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, he's in WWE and they have him. They have Cody. 
When WWE wanted Cody, Cody was hot. Cody was the thing. Cody was what they wanted. Now they got Cody, and they don't really give a shit about Cody because now they got him. They got him locked up. And Cody, yeah, he's getting over, and he's got the whoa, and he's got the entrance, and he's got the baby face look that they want, and he's a fucking PR dream. He's John Cena light. He's selling merchandise. Cody has already become acclimated to the WWE machine And now he's just another cog in the wheel. Cody isn't special anymore. Especially not after this feud with Brock Lesnar. Cody is just another guy. That's all he is. Did you genuinely think that WWE was going to bend over backwards, lube themselves up, and stuff their fucking asses with Cody? No. They were never going to do that. Why would they do that? The man made a career for himself in AEW and took that star to WWE. Cody was never big in WWE. Cody was only big in WWE or is only big in WWE because of what he did with other promotions. You'd think that Vince McMahon, who's, by the way, still running creative. Not sure if you're aware of that. You think Vince McMahon's going to take somebody that made a name for themselves with Tony Khan and the enemy, take him and have him win the world championship. Have him be the guy to beat Roman Reigns. Clean. After four years. Clean. Win the championship, pin him, end his reign, become the new quote-unquote tribal chief. You think that Vince McMahon's going to give that, the entire island, to Cody Rhodes? You got to be out of your fucking mind. You got to be out of your fucking mind dumb. Their cards are now slowly being put out on the table. Roman Reigns, by the way, you don't think Roman Reigns has a say in who he wants to lay down for? You don't think Roman has a say in anything, right? Roman has much of a say in everything he does. As much of a say... As Vince McMahon. There's a reason why Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns are together for four years. There's a reason why the bloodline exists on WWE television. It's because of Roman Reigns. Vince McMahon may be the guy pulling the strings. But the reason why Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns were together is because Roman Reigns demanded to work with Paul Heyman. This wasn't a Vince McMahon thing. This was a Roman Reigns thing. Roman has as much of a say in everything he does than anybody on that fucking creative team as anyone in the company. Now their cards are putting out, being put out on the table. Roman laid down for his cousin, clean. Roman did not lay down for Cody Rhodes. Roman did not want to wait to lay down for Cody Rhodes. He wanted it to be within the family. Again, Cody's story is finished. I don't give a shit what you think. I don't give a shit how you're affiliated with Cody. I don't give a shit how you feel about Cody. I don't give a fuck if you got a Cody mural in your fucking bedroom and you worship it every fucking night. Cody's run is over. When he wins the title, it will be like everything else. Just another title victory. Why? Because Roman Reigns was already pinned. That's what was going to make Cody immortal. That's what was going to make Cody the god. That was going to make Cody the guy. As far as I'm concerned, the guy who pinned 
Roman Reigns is the guy. Because to win the title, you gotta pin Roman. They go hand in hand. One equals the other. WWE gave half of that away without giving away the other half. So what good is it? What good is it? This is why I did not want what happened tonight. This is why I did not want Jay Uso to pin Roman Reigns. Now you see why. And before you go call me a Cody hater, AEW shill, this and that, this is why I did not want it to happen tonight. This is why I would have rather had Cody do it. Nobody listens to me. Nobody listens to me. Sorry. You can sit there and claim it's not over and all this other shit and complain to me about him winning the title is the story. The story is over. Roman's already been pinned. Roman's already been beaten. (laughs) Goodbye. Next. Who's next? Now they want to parade Cody around in a feud with Brock Lesnar. Is Jay Uso going to win the title? No. At this point, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit who wins the Universal Championship now because Roman's already been beaten. Now it's just an, 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 an inevitability that he loses the championship. Half of the mystique is gone. That's how careless WWE is. But you don't think WWE? You don't think WWE was going to not give it to someone in the family? You've just seen first steps taken by the NY family and the bloodline. This is what they do. Jay Uso now owns the honor. Jay Uso now owns the honor. Who ends the reign? Don't know. Don't know. It won't be Jay. Will it be Solo? Will it be Jimmy? Will it be Cody? At this point, I don't really give a shit. Could be Seth. Could be Seth for all we know. Doesn't matter. Roman's already been pinned. Money in the bank. I told you on Friday. I told you on Friday during SmackDown, this is why you guys need to watch the streams and listen with both ears open. Sit there and listen. I don't come on here to blow smoke up your ass. I said this legitimately last night. L.A. Knight is the guy. That is your Mr. Money in the Bank. Again, I'm not sure you guys are aware. Vince McMahon's running creative. When you ask yourself, well, why didn't WWE give L.A. Knight the Money in the Bank? Because Triple H is not running creative. He's not. You could sit there and deny it. You could sit there and claim Triple H is running and ruining WWE TV. You could sit there and pander to all the blithering fucking idiots you got following you on Twitter. Triple H is not running WWE creative. He's not. Vince McMahon's running creative. Why didn't LA Knight win the Money in the Bank briefcase? Because Vince McMahon is in charge. Now you could sit there also and claim, well, 
Vince didn't give L.A. Knight the Money in the Bank briefcase because he thinks L.A. Knight is old. Damian Priest won the Money in the Bank briefcase, and he's just as old, if not older, than L.A. Knight. So that narrative can fucking go with the rest of them in the garbage. Knight didn't win the Money in the Bank briefcase because when someone gets over organically on their own, Vince looks at it as a negative. Vince looks down upon people who work very hard to get over. Vince looks down upon the fan base. When the fans want something, when the fans are vocal about something, when the fans want something or someone Vince will do everything within his given power to give you something else. He will actively do the opposite of what you want and then laugh at you about it. That's why L.A. Knight didn't win the Money in the Bank briefcase. Here's another one for you, another piece of information, another nugget that I'm going to give you for free. Going to save you $5 on whichever paywall you're thinking about subscribing to. Here's another one. Do you genuinely believe now that with Vince McMahon back in charge and running creative, Triple H at one point was running creative. Triple H at one point, and you could see what was going on, man. Raw felt different. Raw felt like Raw. We were getting longer matches. We were getting consistency. We were getting long, drawn-out stories on Raw that started in the beginning of the show that ended at the, at the last segment of the show. Raw felt different. For that... August, September, early October period, Raw felt different. Then things went to shit. As soon as we got into war games, after war games, it went right down the hill. Do you genuinely, genuinely believe that when Vince McMahon took back creative power in WWE, Triple H still has some. He still has some. We're getting a 50-50 split in creative. We get 50% Vince McMahon. We get 50% Triple H. I'm not saying Triple H has no say. They can't outright fire Triple H. They're not going to give him a spot on the credit team and then not listen to some of his ideas. But do you genuinely think that with Vince McMahon attaining, once again, ultimate power, who was L.A. Knight before L.A. Knight, right? He was Eli Drake in Impact and on NWA TV. Triple H brings him to NXT, gets over, does his deal, great. He gets brought up to the main roster. He gets a name change for absolutely no reason whatsoever. He gets a name change. He becomes a manager, and they name him Max Dupree, and they pair him with fucking maximum male models. This was a Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard idea. They thought that this was best for L.A. Knight. Max Dupree. Why did they change L.A. Knight to Max Dupree? Because they looked down upon everything that Triple H did in black and gold NXT. When Vince McMahon went away, Soon as we got Vince McMahon going through his bullshit with the Wall Street Journal, Max Dupree went away. We got a return of L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight's back on TV slowly but surely getting over. He's doing his thing. And here we are now in July of 2023, and he's at the fucking peak of popularity that he's ever seen, ever in his entire career, right now. You would think that somebody would embrace that. If you're a wrestling promoter, you would embrace that. You would move towards it instead of moving away from it, right? Not Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon sees one thing and one thing only. He hates you. 
He hates the fans. He hates the fact that L.A. Knight has done nothing but be himself to get over. Vince McMahon sees one thing and one thing only. Well, I gave this guy Maximum Male Models and Max Dupree. I didn't see nothing in him. Triple H changed his name while taking over my position in creative. Renamed him what I changed from L.A. Knight, right? L.A. Knight to Max Dupree. They gave him his old name back, his old gimmick, his NXT black and gold gimmick. Now Vince is back. Do you genuinely think that Vince McMahon's going to want to push L.A. Knight on WWE TV after changing his name and trying to kill the guy's career? Basically, he was going to get fired. Basically, they were going to fire him. Do you genuinely think Vince McMahon's going to give L.A. Knight everything that we think he deserves because of how over he is and how great he is? When this guy was basically given a second lease on life by Triple H. If Vince goes and does L.A. Knight as Mr. Money in the Bank, Vince is admitting failure. Vince is admitting that he's wrong. That's why L.A. Knight didn't win Money in the Bank. That's why L.A. Knight is not sitting here with potentially the opportunity to challenge Seth Rollins for the World's Heavyweight Championship. Again, a little nugget of information for you. I don't need a paywall to figure that one out. I mean, it's just fucking staring you right in the face. Now, what does L.A. Knight do? Does L.A. Knight go and wrestle Logan Paul at SummerSlam? That's what it certainly looks like. As far as I'm concerned, some of you may think that That's a decent match for L.A. Knight. Getting a win over Logan Paul, blah, blah, blah. Sure thing. Sure thing. He's in the ring with somebody who's a fucking half of a part-timer. Never mind a part-timer. What does he wrestle? Three times a year? It's great. He's in there with Logan Paul. It's going to get him more over, right? It's going to get him more over. As far as I'm concerned, all that's doing is stifling his momentum. That's keeping his momentum at bay. That's not going to get him to the next level where he should be. Again, just the truth in plain sight for you guys. L.A. Knight should have won money in the bank. Vince wanted Logan Paul. Triple H wanted L.A. Knight. They couldn't come to an agreement. What happened? They canceled each other out. The dark horse, Damian Priest, won the match because Vince and Triple H couldn't get their guy. Damian Priest was never going to win this match 100%. Never. I don't give a shit what they tell you. Damian Priest always had a chance. Damian Priest had a story if he won. But he was never 100% the runaway, blowaway guy in this Money in the Bank ladder match. Never. It was always going to be Logan Paul or LA Knight. How they didn't give it to L.A. Knight after the reaction that he got in London tonight and yesterday. Again, it goes back to what I said about Vince McMahon. So they basically canceled each other out. Now, Triple H is also big on Damian Priest. I don't want to sit there and tell you that Damian Priest is not a Triple H guy. So Triple H really did kind of win out here because he's got, let's be real, a lot of the men in this match are Triple H guys. But Logan Paul... He sticks out like a sore thumb as the guy Vince McMahon would want to win. Amongst a sea of ex-black and gold wrestlers from NXT. That's why he was put in there. Because Vince McMahon needed to have creative at a higher level. And I can't have creative at a higher level with NXT scrubs. I'm going to need my guy Logan Paul in there. Logan Paul 
It's all positive if he wins it. No, 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 no. Pops, listen. L.A. Knight, look at the reactions he's getting. No, that's not good shit, pal. So they settled on Damian Priest. Why? Because Damian Priest is kicking ass this year. I have no problem with Damian Priest winning. This could have been a lot worse. A whole lot worse. A lot of you guys are saying, well, that's not the mentality that I want. L.A. Knight should have won. It could have been a lot better. Gonna have to stop you right there. Then that's disrespecting Damian Priest, and that's not what we do here. I have no problem that Damian Priest won. None. L.A. Knight was the better choice. I think it was a little bit more leaning towards him with the reactions that he's been getting. I mean, the customer should always be right. If the fans want something, why not give it to them? Why go against the fans? But I'm not sitting here telling you that Damian Priest didn't deserve it. Damian Priest has been fucking owning it in every high-level performance that WWE's put him in. WWE put him in the ring against Bad Bunny and gave us one of the best matches of the entire year. He's been wrestling Seth Rollins on the house show circuit at a high level. He's a main event guy and quickly becoming one. Why are you complaining that Damian Priest won the Money in the Bank briefcase? I'm not. Could have been Santos Escobar. Could have been Butch. Could have been somebody else that Vince McMahon doesn't give a fuck about. At least at some point, they care about Damian Priest. In some way, they care about Damian Priest. And Damian Priest has something that those other guys don't. And they have a, or Damian Priest rather, has a built-in story. They don't. Damian Priest has a built-in story with Finn Balor and the Judgment Day. And you see where this is going. Priest and Balor are going to clash heads now over the fact that Balor did not beat Rollins, but Damian Priest got the briefcase. Damian Priest showed up in that match, and he ruined Balor's chances. He caused a distraction for Balor. Balor's going to blame him. One thing leads to another. We get Balor kicking Damian Priest out of Judgment Day. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's going to happen. It's where it's kind of going. Maybe when Priest cashes in that briefcase, Balor returns the favor and distracts him from successfully cashing it in on Seth Rollins. Then that's when we get Damian Priest being booted out of Judgment Day and in comes J.D. McDonough. There's a story there. 
Balor gets his guy. He replenishes Judgment Day. Damian Priest gets kicked out. He goes on a babyface run, hopefully different than what Vince McMahon gave us when he tried to turn Damian Priest into Lou Ferrigno. But I have no problem with Damian Priest winning the Money in the Bank at all. At all. I thought the men's Money in the Bank ladder match was the best Money in the Bank ladder match that we've gotten in recent memory. Tremendous match they put on. Everybody showed up. Everybody. Ricochet and Logan Paul almost fucking killed each other. Logan Paul almost fucking broke his neck. But, again, viral moment. That one will be shared for months to come. You thought that the Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay fucking Tiger Driver 91 was bad. That was nearly just as bad with Ricochet and Logan Paul. The women's money in the bank. This one they got right. This was probably the best women's money in the bank ladder match maybe ever. Maybe ever. I don't remember a women's money in the bank ladder match that was that enjoyable. Now, a lot of it centered around Becky and Zoe Stark and Trish Stratus. But everybody in that match showed up to work. Zelina showed up to work. Took a chance Took a big chance in that match. Paid off. She got herself a nice little moment. Bailey and Io, their story, that continued. Bailey intentionally trying to take it away from Io, showing that she is a jealous bitch. Taking that away from Io. You knew that was going to come into play. Becky focused on Trish and Zoe having the two-on-one there. There was a reason why they are in that match. To take it away from Becky. This was a very good match. With a great ending. The handcuff spot was awesome. EO wins the briefcase. They got it right. Creative got it right. I also mentioned this. If LA Knight wasn't going to win the men's money in the bank. Then EO was going to win the women's. Because Triple H wasn't going to get two money in the bank outcomes that went his way. Now if LA Knight won then I was expecting Trish Stratus to win the money in the bank because then, again, it would go right back to being 50-50 creative split between Triple H and Vince McMahon. But the fact that LA Knight did not win the men's, EO won the women's. I could see that being the way it played out. Either way you want to look at it, it was the right outcome. She deserved it. She is getting over with the audience, and it's about time you guys see solo EO Sky. Because what she does in that ring is fucking great. EO versus Asuka, EO versus Charlotte, EO versus Rhea, EO versus Bianca again. I mean, she doesn't have the best mic skills in the WWE, clearly, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't think about her becoming women's champion. She absolutely deserved it. And it's different. It's not Bailey, it's not Becky, it's not Trish. It's different. That's what I loved about it most. Cody Rhodes and Dominic disappointed. Crowd was more about chanting and having a good time than caring about the match. Everybody seemed to love Rhea's new hairstyle. That was also a big takeaway from the match that everybody was talking about instead of the actual match with Dominic and Cody. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, underwhelming, big time, for a world championship. And Shayna Baszler turned on Ronda Rousey tonight. There is a reason why 
Shayna turned on Ronda. We could be looking at the end of Ronda Rousey in WWE. There's no way that the reports were claiming they wanted to change the division. And then all of a sudden, Shayna turns on Ronda, ending the team three weeks after they won the tag team titles. Something's going on there. We'll fill you in on what's going on there right here on the podcast. I want to thank you guys very much for joining me on Off the Script. It's one hell of an opening to the show, huh? Told you I had a lot to get off my chest. Told you I had a lot to get off my chest, man. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We will be hanging out at the end of the show. I will not be watching Collision tonight, guys. Maybe I'll watch Collision, but I won't be going live for Collision. There's no reason to. It's a tape show. It's all about what happens here tonight for Money in the Bank. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes. We got 4,100 people in here. We should be at 1,500 minimum. We just hit 147,000 subscribers. Thank you guys very much. We're at 147019. That's what I'm talking about, man. Thank you guys very much for all of your support. Memberships are open. Get them on in. We will hang out at the end of the show with the members in the VIP club, Super Chats, memberships, all that good stuff. Hit that join button down below. Become a channel member right here on Off The Scripts. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And make sure you guys go and check out all the other videos on the channel. Plenty of content to catch up on. I am here daily with the news. I am here live after every major show. I am on top of it like nobody else in the community. Simple. You might not know it, but I'm fucking exhausted. But I got a job to do, and you guys have a show to enjoy, and I'm not going to give you anything less than 100. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew, bluechew.com, code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys go and get your free sample, as always, on me. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's bluechew.com, code JD at checkout. And they are sponsoring tonight's Money in the Bank post show right here on Off the Scripts. They open up with the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Butch, Nakamura, Santos Escobar, Logan Paul, Damian Priest, LA Knight, Ricochet. Michael Cole announced that it was a sellout crowd of 18,885. I believe that was the number, man. They were jam-packed in the O2 arena. Big time. This was one of the best men's money in the bank ladder matches that you'll see, especially in recent memory. I thought this was great. Every single one of these guys came and showed up to work, man. They got Nakamura out there, and fans are singing his song big time. It's just a beautiful thing to hear and see. Ricochet got a decent reaction. Butch, the hometown guy, got a decent reaction. 
L.A. night, the roof popped big for L.A. night. Logan Paul got booed out of the building. Damian Priest and Santos Escobar round out the field of seven here. The big spots in this match. Logan Paul gave Priest a brutal frog splash off the apron on top of an elevated ladder that was positioned on the barricade and the ring apron. Big frog splash. He nailed it. Looked like it sucked more for Logan Paul than it did for Damian Priest. Fans chanted, you still suck at Logan Paul. There were a nice chance of bruiser weight, by the way, for Butch. You guys know Butch. Let me at him. Let me at him, Scoob. Reggie. I don't know. When are we going to change Butch's name back to, I don't know, Pete Dunn? The bruiser weight is not Butch. Butch is not the bruiser weight. Pete Dunn is the bruiser weight. What are we waiting for? But I guess with Vince McMahon running creative at a higher level, I don't think we'll ever get the bruiser weight Pete Dunn back on WWE television. Logan Paul gave LA Knight a beautiful looking blockbuster. And Ricochet hit Logan Paul with a, uh, I believe it was a recoil. Or a shoot? No, it wasn't a recall. It was a shooting star press. Shooting star press. Uh, he hit Logan Paul with that. Escobar took out Ricochet with a Falcon Arrow. Uh, everybody was on the outside of the ring. Butch at one point climbed up a huge ladder and hit a beautiful looking moonsault. Everybody went crazy, including Michael Cole. Logan Paul, he was not in the moonsault pile. And he prevented Butch from climbing up the ladder because after that, Butch went into the ring. Everybody was down. Logan Paul seen it. He went into the ring and stopped Butch from climbing the ladder. Logan Paul also took out Ricochet, and Santos took out Logan Paul. So we had a a ring around the rosy of people being uh, pulled off the ladder. Nakamura and Ricochet battled on top of the ladder after Ricochet took out Knight with a hurricane Karana. Ricochet and Logan Paul leapt onto a second ladder, so they did their little uh, spotlight move here in the match. And Ricochet and Logan Paul, this led to Ricochet giving Logan Paul a Spanish fly, which was ridiculous looking. So they're on the ladder, and they kind of mimic their Royal Rumble spot, where they were on opposite ends of the rings, and they met in the middle, coast to coast, kind of. So LA Knight sees Logan Paul and Ricochet on top of this ladder. He shoves the ladder. Now, normally, Ricochet, what he does when a spotlight... He's done this multiple times in WWE. He's done it in NXT. I believe he did it in the first ever match that Ricochet was a part of for the North American title in a ladder match with Adam Cole and Lars Sullivan and Velveteen Dream. I think Killian Dane was a part of that as well. There was a spot where Ricochet had the ladder, right? He was on the ladder, and the ladder was tilted over. It was falling over. He jumps from the ladder to the rope and does this fucking crazy moonsault or shooting star press, right? I don't know what the fuck they were going for. Like, Ricochet, if this was Ricochet by himself to do a move, he probably would have nailed it 100% clean as a whistle. But the fact that Logan Paul and Ricochet were on the ladder, the ladder is being tilted over by LA Knight, they tried to stop the momentum of their bodies from going over the top rope by positioning their foot on the top rope. They tried to use the ladder as leverage to hang on to the top rope and then do some sick, crazy move to the outside. They lost their balance. 
And Ricochet, in an act of desperation to just try and finish the move in the sequence, did a Spanish fly and did not get a full revolution of the Spanish fly. He got over, but Logan Paul's head went head first right into the table. It was ridiculous. Chance of holy shit. I don't know if Logan Paul was concussed. I don't know if he ended up coming out bloodied. I don't know. But this was one of the craziest spots in a ladder match that I've ever seen. Ridiculous. So LA Knight, clearly he's the favorite now. He's climbing up. Butch knocked Knight off the ladder before Priest shoved Butch off the ladder in a corner. Knight shoved Priest out of the ring before also getting rid of Escobar and Nakamura. Knight was on the verge of winning and everyone was cheering. But Damian Priest brought him down with a big-time falcon arrow. Priest climbed the ladder, grabbed the briefcase. The crowd booed because it wasn't L.A. night. And Damian Priest is now senor money in the bank. I have no problem with L.A. night. Yeah, I have a problem with WWE not going all the way with L.A. night. I have no problem with WWE giving Damian Priest the win. Again, I'm going to reiterate this again to you guys. This was a... This was a conscious 50-50 effort, creatively. This was 50% Vince and 50% Paul Levesque, okay? Paul Levesque wanted LA Knight. No doubt in my mind. I would be a betting man. I'd bet the fucking house and everything else on LA Knight. That was that man's choice, Paul Levesque. Vince wanted Logan Paul for obvious reasons. He thinks it's going to be a big thing for the company. Spotlight on the company. Publicity for the company. That's what they do. That's what they're here for, to make money. You were, you were going to make your money and get your social media numbers anyway with Logan Paul in the match. He didn't need to win a championship opportunity. That's what I don't get. This was a conscious effort of 50-50 booking by two men who are collectively running creative. One didn't get what he wanted. The other guy didn't get what he wanted. They, they decided on the middleman, Damian Priest. That's why Damian Priest won the money in the bank. And we're lucky. We're lucky as fans that Damian Priest has a built-in story with Finn Balor, and they could tell a great story with him as Mr. Money in the Bank. So that's what they had to fall back on. They all came to this conscious decision and deemed Senor Money in the Bank to Damian Priest. Should LA Knight have won it? Yes. I certainly believe so. I am always going to be of the decision of if the, the fans in the crowd are that vocal for, some, for somebody then you kind of let the crowd lead you to that. You follow their voice. WWE, Vince, does everything to go against their voice. He goes the opposite way. LA Knight was never destined to be anything in WWE, ever. He was out the door, about to be fired. Triple H brought him back, gave him a new lease on life. Vince sees that. He's never going to give LA Knight what the fans think he deserves. Vince is thinking he's lucky that he still has a fucking job. I'm going to use you for how long I have you, and whatever may come of that, great. We'll make good television out of that. But if you think you're going to get one over on me and be successful under my watch because you're fucking rubbing elbows with my son-in-law, forget about it. Now, we don't work that way. It's what I say goes. It's my way or the highway. It's not L.A. Knight's highway. It's not Paul Levesque running the show. It's Vince McMahon running the show. You got to understand this. You got to. 
I agree. LA Knight should have won. It is stupid to listen to that reaction and then not go towards that beautiful sound of fucking people excited. But at the same time, it could have been worse. Could have been. Logan Paul could have won it. Vince McMahon could have gotten what he wanted. But Damien Priest got it. Damien Priest's been putting in work. Hard work. He deserves it. It As long as it went to somebody that actually deserves it. I'm fine with it. I'm not going to sit here and fucking bitch about the career decision that was made. But LA Knight, my problem is, time and time and time and time again, the fans are shit on. Vince McMahon loves to shit on the fans. This is just another case in point example about what Vince McMahon is capable of when he's running creative. Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez. Gonzalez. Smiling always, man. I don't know what there is to be smiling about. And Liv Morgan. Against Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Ronda Rousey tried for the... How many times has somebody tried to make the women's tag team division and the tag team titles seem more important than they really are? Ronda falls in line with everybody else, man. Sasha, Bailey, Naomi... Nobody cares about the women's tag team titles. Nobody. Nobody. So, Rodriguez, you know, they, they tried to set up something with Raquel, maybe challenging Rhea Ripley. They, they kind of planted that seed right on Monday Night Raw a couple of weeks back. Raquel and Rhea, they have a little bit of a history dating back to their time in NXT. And I'm like, all right, I don't think Raquel is ready for that right now. But if you want to build Raquel up to something like that to challenge Rhea, I'm okay with that. I think that'd be great. And they had some banger matches on NXT. Then all of a sudden, the next week, we see Raquel sitting outside on SmackDown by the commentary table watching Isla Dawn and Alba Fire and Ronda and Shayna unify the tag team titles. And then out comes Liv Morgan. She wants a shot at the tag team, but I just saw you stare down Rhea Ripley. So you want the women's title and you want the tag team titles at the same time. Inconsistent booking. So here we are. Liv Morgan's back from TV a lot sooner than everybody anticipated with her injury. She's now teamed up with Raquel Rodriguez again to try and take down Ronda and Shayna for the tag team titles. Nobody cared coming into this. The match was booked literally a week ago. Nobody cared. Nobody cares about the tag team titles. Nobody cares about the division. No matter how hard Ronda wants to work, Ronda and Shayna are not going to change people's minds about the women's tag team division. Now, this wasn't the worst match at all. This wasn't the worst match, but it was what happened towards the end of it that really caught people off guard. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why what happened at the end happened. And I'll get into that in a second. Rodriguez and Morgan, 
They were in control until Baszler yanked Morgan off the top rope. And she started going right after that injured arm and shoulder. Rousey then gets in there, applied an ankle lock. Morgan fought out, hit a code breaker, made a hot tag to Raquel Rodriguez. Rodriguez gave Baszler a fallaway slam before power slamming Rousey for two. Rousey tried for an arm bar. And Rodriguez was on the middle rope. But Rodriguez countered into a beautiful-looking powerbomb. And Baszler broke up the cover as Rodriguez had Rousey pinned. Baszler put Morgan in an armbar as Rousey applied an ankle lock, but Rodriguez broke it up. Morgan couldn't make a tag because Rousey took out Rodriguez. Baszler gave Morgan a German suplex and had Morgan in a Kirifuda clutch. I thought this match was over. I thought, all right, academic, we'll get this win, retain the titles, and we'll go on to the next match. Morgan slipped out. Ronda tagged in, and completely out of nowhere, Baszler attacked Ronda Rousey. Baszler attacked Ronda. Crowd was shocked because nobody expected it. Baszler put Rousey down with a Kirifuda clutch. Rodriguez gave Rousey a Tahana bomb. Morgan followed with Oblivion, and Morgan pinned Ronda for a second time in her career. The first was when she beat Ronda and cashed in her money in the bank briefcase last year. Morgan and Rodriguez are the new women's tag team champions. Bud Light apparently sponsored this match. Nobody should be drinking Bud Light. It sucks. It's actual piss. Don't know why we need garbage being promoted to people on the PLE. Anyway. There's a reason why this happened. There is a rumor going around that Ronda Rousey is set to make a comeback in the UFC. Legitimately came out of nowhere. I read this story six days ago. And I said, I don't know if there's really smoke to that fire. I didn't really hear anything outside this one article. Then one article led to another. And then we've seen what we've seen tonight, honestly. Ronda Rousey was turned on by her best friend. Her best friend that they paired together, right, to make something of this tag team division. And after three weeks, turned out of nowhere. Nothing happened on TV. Ronda and Shayna did not have any disagreements. They didn't show anything as far as the team splitting up or having a problem. But all of a sudden, I hear Ronda Rousey wants to make a comeback in the octagon. And now all of a sudden we see Shayna Baszler turn on Ronda Rousey and this could be the end of Ronda Rousey's WWE run. Not that I have a problem with that. Apparently, Ronda Rousey is making a return to the UFC after Amanda Nunes is, I think, retiring. Amanda Nunes is retiring. UFC legend Ronda Rousey has been tipped to making an octagon comeback seven years after quitting retiring for WWE. Only 36 years old. She was once the top of the women's UFC division. So apparently, one person who believes in Rousey's potential comeback is UFC commentator John Anik. He sees her as a worthy candidate for another shot at MMA glory and thinks she could still be competitive. 
So Amanda Nunes, some people saying, is already retired. I don't watch UFC, so I don't really know. Oh, there you go. So with Amanda Nunes, Amanda Nunes having such a dominant run in UFC and now gone, who does UFC have? Who does Dana White have in the women's division on the women's side of MMA? They could throw whatever they want at Ronda Rousey for her to come back. It's going to be making, she's going to be making more than what she's making in WWE and probably be embraced a lot better in that world than she has been in WWE. But will Ronda want to come back to UFC completely? I don't know. I don't know. Can she still be competitive? There was a controversy surrounding Ronda Rousey when she left, right? There was a controversy with Ronda leaving UFC and joining WWE. There would be excitement about a Ronda return, but how is Ronda going to perform? Ronda's not going to be anywhere close to what she was. This is why we definitely got what we got tonight. This is why we got Shayna Baszler turning on Ronda. SummerSlam may be it. SummerSlam may be it. Ronda, Shayna, one match, and Shayna wins. What also played a factor in this is the fact that when Ronda and Shayna are out there, there's zero reaction. There is zero reaction. Ronda and Shayna knew that they had an uphill battle to try and get people to care about that division. It's never going to work. If Sasha and Naomi couldn't do it, if Sasha and Bailey couldn't do it, what makes them think that they were going to be able to do it? WWE doesn't give a shit about women's tag team wrestling. It's only there because it fits a narrative. It only fits a demographic that WWE needs to maintain. That's it. Equal opportunity for the men and women. That's why it's there. I never agreed or never believed women needed tag team titles. Why do we need women's tag team titles? Now, you broke up this team. Now, there are only three teams on the main roster. Isla Dawn and Alba Fire, Casey Cottonzaro and Caden Carter, and... Who else? These two, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan, who are not really a team. Just another random pairing that WWE pieced together because they needed tag teams. But there was zero reaction for Ronda and Shayna. Zero reaction for women's tag team wrestling. Stop forcing something that doesn't work. In typical WWE fashion, instead of admitting defeat, And instead of admitting failure, they will continue to push it as if it's something the people want. We don't. I would get rid of the tag team titles. I would get rid of them completely. And I would make one single championship for the mid card of the women's division. That's it. You want something that's able to float between Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown and Raw, being that we got two championships on Raw and SmackDown right now with Rhea and Asuka. Instead of having tag team titles that float and have no tag teams to fight over these titles, why don't we create a singular intercontinental women's championship? I've said this time and time and time again. And yet we're still here. And the fans will continue to give zero fucks and there will be zero reaction 
And that is it. They just don't like admitting failure. And Ronda and Shayna, they were headed towards failure, no matter what they want to think. It may be best for Ronda Rousey to say goodbye to WWE. She does not have any star power left in the company. She feels like everybody else. There has been so much damage done to Ronda Rousey that she feels exactly as a Dana Brooke does or a Lacey Evans and is getting the same type of reactions as those ladies as well. Does Ronda think that's what's best for her? If I'm Ronda Rousey and I'm the biggest name in the entire division and I'm getting those reactions or lack thereof, doesn't really create an enjoyable time to come to work, huh? You start questioning why you're even there. Is the money even worth it at that point? The Ronda ship sailed. After WWE refused to give us Becky and Ronda, that shit was over. As soon as Becky won the championship and Ronda carried that division for a year, building it up to where it needed to be, as soon as they gave the title to Becky, it never recovered. Ever. It may be best if she goes to UFC. Gunther. He went one-on-one with Matt Riddle for the Intercontinental Championship. This match barely went eight minutes. Again, it was almost as if everything but the Money in the Bank ladder matches could have easily been done on Monday Night Raw. Yet they needed to fill out a pay-per-view card for three and a half hours. This could have been on Raw. Cody and Dominic could have been on Raw. Rollins and Balor could have been on Raw. So you basically got a PLE that was disguised as a Monday Night Raw episode. Minus a bloodline segment, minus a couple of money in the bank ladder matches. What you got, half of what you got tonight was a Monday Night Raw segment. Great. Then I got people in the chat saying it was a 10 out of 10 show. Or was the best pay-per-view of the entire year? Negative. Negative. This one was never in doubt. Gunther retains. Michael Cole mentioned Gunther previously wrestling Riddle in progress. I guess Vince McMahon didn't make London. I guess he wasn't sitting gorilla. Progress. What is that shit, pal? Gunther worked over Riddle's ankle that was heavily taped. Riddle tried to hit an exploder suplex at one point, but couldn't follow up because of the ankle being the story. Gunther hit a clothesline. He goes for a cover. Gets a two count. A clothesline by Gunther is like a clothesline times five. Devastating. Riddle fought back. Hit a senton or a broton for a two. Gunther came off the top of the splash, but Riddle caught him in a triangle choke. Gunther hoisted him up. Hit the big power bomb. Only gets a two count. Gunther immediately transitioned into a single leg crab. Riddle tried fighting out, so Gunther repeatedly smacked Riddle's injured ankle. Gunther applied a leg lock, and Riddle tapped out. I don't want to tell you that this was a squash match, but for Matt Riddle, this was a squash match. This was a squash match that heavily favored Gunther. 
Now, I don't know if Matt Riddle is in the doghouse. I don't know if Matt Riddle is being looked down upon by management. I don't, I don't know. But Matt Riddle is a tremendous professional wrestler. And so is Gunther. And the fact that this went eight minutes, less than, with these two guys, I don't know what to tell you. This could have easily went 15, 16, 20 tops. That's the type of performers both of these guys are. But this match was basically put on pay-per-view to get Gunther in front of this audience and to get him another intercontinental title defense right now as he's on his way to breaking the honky-tonk man's record. After the match was over, we heard that familiar theme music hit the PA system and Drew McIntyre came out in front of the London crowd inside the O2. We haven't seen him since WrestleMania. And he lost a triple threat match with Gunther and Sheamus as Gunther retained at WrestleMania. There was a lot of speculation on Drew McIntyre's future. Is he staying? Is he going? Is he staying with WWE? Is he joining AEW? Will he show up at All In? If he stays with WWE, what do they do with him? Apparently, he's upset with contract negotiations. Apparently, he's upset with creative, which is not difficult to understand. There was a lot of speculation about Drew. Now we know what brought him back to WWE. Drew's in the ring. He stared at Gunther. Fans were hot for Drew McIntyre. Gunther palm-faced Drew McIntyre. Drew headbutted Gunther down, shook the rope. Three, two, one, and delivered a devastating claymore to Gunther. As Gunther lays there, McIntyre holds up the Intercontinental title. We now know why he is back. Now, I ask you guys this because it's a very pertinent question. What do you do with Drew McIntyre that you have not done already on WWE TV? The guy's done it all. World champion, led the WWE during the pandemic era. He's wrestled for the Intercontinental title. He's had bangers. He's wrestled Roman. He's failed at Roman at capturing the Universal Championship. What is there for Drew McIntyre to do? You bring him back and he's automatically going to settle into the middle of the pack with not much to do. Meanwhile, we know McIntyre is a fucking standout main event guy. He is. Whether you like him or not, McIntyre is a main event guy. McIntyre is the type of guy that you want on your roster. He is a top draft pick no matter what. That's how good he is. Loyal, dedicated, will always go out there and give you everything he has as long as he has it. Minus the contract negotiations and the money. The biggest thing that a wrestler has a problem with is the creative direction that they are given. Clearly, he wasn't coming back to beat Roman. Seth Rollins needs opponents, but does he really want to turn heel? That would be up for Drew McIntyre to decide. A heel Drew McIntyre sounds like a pretty interesting aspect on Monday night. 
But I don't think WWE is in the process of taking the title off of Rollins anytime soon. So if McIntyre was slated to come back at some point this year, can't really put him in a title feud with Seth Rollins because he'd ultimately end up losing it and he'd be right back to where he was before he went out. So that's not going to work. The longer he stayed out, the WWE was going to add time on top of his contract. They probably added time on top of his contract for the time that he was out now. That's what they do. Oh, I'm not coming to work. I refuse to. I have a problem with what you're paying me. I have a problem with the negotiations. I don't like my creative. If Drew McIntyre was not legitimately injured and missed time because of injury, and he stayed out because of pettiness and indifference with management or creative or negotiations. WWE's going to add time on top of his contract. So if Drew McIntyre's contract is up at the end of the year, January, February, his contract now is going to have three months added on top of it because he's been missing time since WrestleMania. But now he's back. And now we know why. Can't go against Roman. Can't go against Rollins. Why not have Gunther? Drop the title to Drew McIntyre. So now we know the basis of his creative. I want to come back. I want something important to do. I deserve it. I missed my WrestleMania moment. I had a wrestle in front of an empty fucking gymnasium winning the world championship where I should have won it in front of 8,000 fucking people. It wasn't his fault. But WWE never gave him that opportunity back ever again. Ever. The next time that he wrestled in front of a large crowd was the following year, and he lost to Bobby Lashley. WWE never gave Drew McIntyre the world championship that he deserved in front of the audience that he earned. They did it at Clash of the Castle, but they were never going to allow him to beat Roman Reigns. He was not the guy. But is he the guy to beat Gunther? Is he the guy to take down Gunther? SummerSlam is on August 5th. SummerSlam is on August 5th. Gunther breaks Honky Tonk Man's record, I believe, in the first week of September. I don't know what WWE is going to do, but we've gotten this far, and Gunther is definitely breaking Honky Tonk Man's IC title record all-time reign. So McIntyre, if he wrestles Gunther at SummerSlam, can't beat him there. WWE does Gunther versus McIntyre at payback. Can't happen there because it falls a couple of days short of the honky-tonk man's record. So what do we do? Do we get a feud that leads to a match and then another match and then another match and we get Drew McIntyre getting the title for a third time for or on the third time on a random episode of SmackDown or Monday Night Raw? In this case, Raw Gunther's on Raw. I don't know. But it looks like McIntyre may be the guy to beat Gunther. After that happens, Gunther can focus on Seth Rollins. Gunther may be the guy to win the Royal Rumble this year. After what he did last year, I wouldn't see that as a difficult decision to make. After he drops that title... He's world championship title bound. That's your WrestleMania World Heavyweight Championship match. Gunther versus Seth Rollins with Gunther winning the world title. McIntyre, he'll be on Raw with the IC title. I don't know what you do there and what you do with him, but 
Good luck with that. When he gets there, that's the next line of questioning. Where do you go from there? Everybody's going to pale in comparison to what Gunther's done. You think McIntyre is going to just simply beat, beat Gunther and win the championship and then put those boots on and fucking live up to Gunther's legacy and reign already as IC champion? It's going to be, you know, winning the title is one thing. Maintaining the fucking title and, and the reign is another thing, especially coming out of a Gunther reign. Very difficult thing to do. But I'm glad he's back. Monday Night Raw needs it. Now we wait for Randy Orton to come back. Monday Night Raw could need it. Or could use it, will need it, does need it. Monday Night Raw stacked. Monday Night Raw can be a great show. I don't know why we continuously get terrible shows on Monday. McIntyre's back. Randy Orton's going to come back. Maybe we get them and, you know, him and uh, bro, Matt Riddle, together again. Cody's over there. Got some great stories to happen over there. But I'm glad McIntyre's back, man. This was great. Speaking of Cody, Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. This was another Monday Night Raw match given PLE treatment. Zero story coming into this. If there is a story, it is minuscule and forced. Nobody cared. Cody's nothing more than a theme song. The crowd made this match watchable. Rhea Ripley's hairstyle was the talk of social media. And that was basically it. And on top of that, you got no Brock Lesnar. What really was this match? And why was it important? And why should I care? I don't, I don't, and I don't. Cody Rhodes beats Dominic. Dominic smacked Cody Rhodes before Rhodes ripped off his cast. He got rid of that arm. Oh, my goodness, man. Cody Rhodes no longer has a broken arm. He tore that motherfucker right off. Was it ever broken is my question. Was it ever broken, man? You never know. You don't know. He was doing Cody cutters and fucking crossroads and disaster kicks and superplexes. He was doing topes and suicides and all this other shit. With a broken arm, man. He's got no more broken arm. Miraculously healed. How long does it take to heal from a broken arm, man? Two to three months, four months? This guy made a recovery, a full recovery in about six weeks. Great. He took the cast off. Apparently his injuries healed. Dominic Bale tried running to the back, but Rhodes caught him. Dominic tried leaving through the crowd, so Rhodes went after him. Ripley got in Rhodes' face. Dominic, with the distraction, tried to remove the turnbuckle cover, but got caught by the referee. Dominic followed with a suicide dive on Cody Rhodes, who was distracted by Rhea Ripley to take over. Crowd was yelling at Dominic, calling him a wanker, and they sang loudly for Cody. They were singing some weird UK Cody-like chant. Cody, Cody Rhodes, or whatever they were singing along. Great, I love it. I love the UK folk, man. They made the match a lot more enjoyable than it really was. Dominic tried for three amigos, but Cody Rhodes counted into a, uh, some sort of uh, buster, a gory bomb or a gourd buster or something like that. Hit a power slam 
a disaster kick. Rhodes went for a dive, but Ripley got in his way. This distraction allowed Dom to set up for a 619. Dominic's momentum off the 619 is atrocious. Atrocious. He's got zero speed and zero momentum. Cody caught him, hit him with an Alabama slam. Rhodes followed with a Cody cutter, a crossroads, and a one, two, three. No sign of Brock Lesnar whatsoever. Zero. Absolutely a waste of my time. Could have did this on Monday Night Raw. But this was only on the show because WWE wanted to include Cody no matter how much it didn't make sense. Now, maybe we'll get some sort of explanation with with, uh, Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Maybe. Maybe. Doubtful, but I'm still holding out hope. Four months later, I'm still holding out hope, man. Wow. Wow. I'm a loser. We're not getting any fucking hope or any explanation at all. John Cena. Yes, John Cena showed up. All you heard was, do-do-do-do. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Why is he out here? Crowd chanted, one more match, one more match at John Cena. John Cena's on the show. Then There's a reason why he's there. Cena entered the ring and said, surprise! Cena himself was surprised because he's used to hearing, John Cena sucks! And they actually praised him and gave him love. They were happy to see him. They sang his song instead. Cena says this was the first premium live event in London in over 20 years. What the hell took us so long to spend some time with you? Cena says it wasn't up to him. It is all because of the decision makers in the back. Boy, oh boy, man, please tell me when John Cena stops shooting. Of course, it's all because of the decision makers in the back. It's all because of the decision makers in the back. He said he looks around, he hears this noise and feels this energy. He's asking himself, what took us so long to do this again? It's up to the decision makers. (laughs) Vince. It's up to Vince. He says they don't necessarily know how to feel about London. They think this is some kind of hostile environment. Shoot. Vince hates these crowds. Vince loathes these crowds. They think you guys are a distraction and take over the show. Shoot. You think John Cena is lying out here? Everything John Cena is laying out to you is a shoot. They hate you. They don't like your chance. They don't want you to have a good time. Vince McMahon hates you. Johnson is basically telling you, what did I tell you in the beginning of this show? Uh, you, you, you don't need to hear it from me. Johnson is telling you. He's telling you. No, but I'm the bad guy. Meanwhile, John Cena basically said exactly what I said in the beginning of this show, but it's all right if John Cena says it, but it's not okay if I say it. They think you guys are a distraction and sometimes take over the show. He says they don't know what they're talking about because you are the voice. You are the heartbeat. 
You aren't trying to take over the show. You are the show. So why am I here? He said he put his shoes on tonight to get in this ring because the world is watching and he wants the world to know they are underappreciated. He says they know he is big on respect and for 20 years, the fans have earned his respect. Loud. Thank you, Cena Chance. He says he wants to bring WrestleMania to London. Really now? Really? After 20 years? Color me shocked, John. Color me shocked. Now! Now! The biggest spokesman for the fucking company, John Cena, is in the ring inside the O2 in London, which is one of the most famous buildings in the world for live entertainment, and is telling the fucking people that WrestleMania should come to London. Really? Really? Where's, where, if WrestleMania was supposed to happen in London, if it's, let, let's put this out theoretically. If WrestleMania was going to be in London, where would it be? Where would it be? Someone in the chat tell me where exactly WrestleMania would be. Huh? I'll give you guys 10 seconds to answer the question as I take a sip of my cold beverage. Where would WrestleMania be? I'll give you guys uh, the floor, okay? There you go. You guys know, man. You guys know. You guys know where it would be. Of course, it would be Wembley Stadium. Isn't there another wrestling show that's in Wembley? Huh? Oh, that's right. Tony Khan is nearing a $9 million gate for all in. 67,000 people without selling one single ticket, without announcing a match. He sold, he sold 67,000 tickets without announcing a single fucking match. Not one match has left that man's mouth. Now we got the biggest spokesman for the company in WWE announcing that WrestleMania should be in London? Wow. WWE just basically admitted to the entire world that they are bothered that AEW has sold a $9 million gate inside Wembley for a show that has zero matches announced for it. Thanks, Vince. Thank you, Vince, for exposing yourself to the entire wrestling world. Would WrestleMania be unbelievable inside of Wembley Stadium? Sure, but you had zero interest in bringing a WrestleMania to the United Kingdom. Now, all of a sudden, in the same year where AEW is about to go into Wembley in about seven weeks, now WWE wants to get all giddy about a potential WrestleMania in London. Fuck out of here. Absolutely get the fuck out of here. WrestleMania should have already been in London. 
These people, these fine people should have already been given a WrestleMania. WWE now wants to bring WrestleMania into London because AEW set world wrestling records, all-time records, broke records with All In. You think Vince is going to want to have that on his fucking conscience when he lays down to sleep at night? He wants to be number one everywhere. This man has now made it his top priority to outsell AEW in the United Kingdom. Tell me when I'm telling lies. It's exactly why John Cena was out there. Who better than John Cena to get this point across? Not even a job for Triple H. Let's send Cena out there. Desperate. Desperate, desperate, desperate. Grayson Waller interrupts. He says he loves everything about John Cena, including the jorts. He says he's watched every one of his movies and his performances move him. Crowd was chanting, shut the fuck up. Not Grayson Waller. That is the pinnacle of heel chants right there. That ought to make Grayson Waller feel fucking good on top of being in the ring with John Cena tonight. He entered the ring and said, what disappoints him is that he's lying to these fine people. WrestleMania in England... So the fans cheer, the people, they're supposed to dislike. Here's another thing. This is also Vince McMahon. Who wrote this show, you ask? Vince McMahon wrote this fucking show. Grayson Waller went out there and said, the fans cheer the people that they're supposed to dislike and boo the people that they are supposed to like. Vince. Grayson Waller was basically vicariously giving us Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon was living vicariously through Grayson Waller tonight with that line. He said the weather is terrible. He said WrestleMania should be somewhere where the weather is great with beaches, good-looking girls in bikinis. He then suggested Australia. Fans then chanted, wanker, wanker, at Grayson Waller. Waller told Cena he thinks he could get him a spot on the show. He said he knows things haven't been going well for him lately. He lost to Austin Theory. He lost to Roman Reigns. Before that, he lost to The Fiend. All of his last big matches, he's lost. He said fans tend to remember the last thing that they saw. Fans then started to chant, Fuck him up, Cena. Fuck him up. Waller said they're crude and said Cena needs a viral moment. Let me help you save your career, said Grayson Waller. He pitched the greatest Grayson Waller effect of all time at WrestleMania, Australia. Waller says he's not asking them. He's asking Cena as the fans booed. Cena says he wants, let me get this straight. Cena then asks Grayson Waller, so you want me to fly to Australia to get a rub from you? Waller said yes. Cena says, nah, I'm going to pass. As he began to leave, Waller said, no one says no to Grayson Waller. Cena asked him, what? Can you repeat that, please? And Cena asked him if he can enjoy some of the time he has with his friends, indicating the crowd. He wants to enjoy time with his friends, the crowd. And Waller, he backed away. Cena turned his back, and Waller jumped Cena from behind. Waller was gloating that he got one cheap on John Cena. Cena gets up. He catches Grayson Waller with an attitude adjustment, and that was the end of the segment. 
Now, here I was thinking that John Cena was back to maybe set up a match for SummerSlam. Maybe that's what we got with Grayson Waller and John Cena. We don't know. But John Cena was out there and basically shilling to the London fans that WWE may be thinking about doing a WrestleMania in London. Now, I want you guys to ask yourself a very important question. If AEW didn't set up all in at Wembley Stadium and didn't sell $9 million gate and didn't sell 67,000 tickets to all in without announcing a single match, if all in was happening at the United Center or somewhere else in the United States, do you genuinely believe WWE would be thinking about holding a WrestleMania in London? The answer is no. The answer is a hard no. Desperate. WWE just showed everybody tonight that they're bothered by AEW's success. And they tried to hide it behind John Cena, who's basically their number one PR guy. Who's not even there full time. Pathetic. Trish Stratus, Zoe Stark, Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega, EO Sky, and Bailey. Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I thought this was actually very good for a women's Money in the Bank ladder match. They got just as much time as the men. It wasn't as good as the men, but it was easily, in my honest opinion, the best women's Money in the Bank ladder match that we've gotten so far. I thought everybody did great here. Awesome. Becky Lynch entered last, and Zoe Stark attacked her in the aisleway, which started the match. Trish and Zoe worked together, obviously, to take out Becky. Bailey and EO teamed up. Obviously, they're a part of damage control. Vega fought off Sky. Damage control working together, bounced her back and forth between a ladder. Becky Lynch prevented Bailey and EO, who were not on the same page tonight. When Bailey seen EO climbing, Bailey tried to stop it. When EO seen Bailey get involved, she tried to stop it. Vega used Trisha's body as a bridge between two ladders, and eventually everyone took turns clearing each other off of the ladder. EO climbed the ladder but wasn't close to the briefcase, so she wiped out everyone except Stratus with a moonsault. Crowd was very big into EO, by the way. Trish Stratus climbed the ladder. Becky Lynch went after her. Becky Lynch fought off Stratus and Zoe, but Vega took out Lynch and Stratus with a crossbody. Vega shoved Sky out of the ring before Becky Lynch and Stratus teamed up to give Vega a double powerbomb. That took her out of the match for a little bit. Stratus then gave Bailey a Stratus faction onto a ladder before Zoe drove Becky Lynch into the ring post. Zoe then pulls out handcuffs. She tried to handcuff Becky Lynch to one of the turnbuckle pads or one of the bars that is attached to the turnbuckle pads. She couldn't do it. Becky Lynch then breaks free. She then takes Trish, Trish and chucks Stratus over the announce desk and dropped Zoe Stark on top of a ladder. Lynch gave Stratus a manhandle slam on the ladder, which looked like it sucked. I'm surprised Trish took that bump. This was one of the big spots of the match. Zoe comes over and gives Becky Lynch a neckbreaker, a blockbuster off the apron as she flies off the apron. It looked like it sucked as well. This is where things kind of started to pick up a little bit. Vega and Zoe 
They were standing near the top of the ladder, and there was a ladder bridge. A ladder was positioned on the middle rope and hooked up to another ladder that was standing in the middle of the ring. Vega climbs up to the top of the ladder with Zoe and gives Zoe Stark a code red on top of the ladder. That looked great. I was actually surprised at how great that looked. I thought they were going to fuck it up, but Zoe's, Zoe bounced off the ladder. It was a great visual. Awesome spot. So, EO climbed the ladder. Bailey shoved the ladder down. They tried to play it off like EO didn't see it. I don't know how EO didn't see it because EO was the only one on the ladder. So, Bailey pushes the ladder over. And she looked like she kind of regretted doing that to EO. It's almost as if Bailey felt bad, but she proceeded to climb the ladder anyway. Becky Lynch hooked the other end of the handcuffs to fish hook Bailey's mouth. This looked ridiculous because they 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 did a close up camera shot and the fucking the, the handcuff like the 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 handcuff looked un, unhooked right, and then she puts the fucking handcuff in in, in Bailey's mouth. And then it comes out of her mouth, and they're pretending like, you know, it's a devastating move, and she's choking Bailey out, and the camera zoomed in on it, and it looks awful. Everything about this looked awful. Bailey's selling it, and it looks ridiculous. It looks so stupid. So, Bailey tried fighting back, but EO, she takes the handcuffs, and handcuffs, because the handcuff is already on Becky, takes the handcuff, handcuffs Becky and Bailey together in between the ladders, and they can't move. Now they're intertwined together, and they can't move. They can't climb up the ladder because they're handcuffed together now. They got one arm in the ladder, and they can't go anywhere. EO climbs on top of Bailey. She climbs up the ladder, sits on top of the top of the ladder, brings the briefcase down, and she wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. I thought the match was very good. Very good. And the right outcome. Io Io Shirai, I want to say Io Shirai, Io Sky wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. So we got Damian Priest and Io Sky. LA Knight didn't win it. We got Damian Priest winning it. But the other favorite, Io, was the right choice. And I'm glad that they went with the right choice here. Becky was not going to win it. She didn't make any sense winning it. She can get a title match anytime she wants. Becky, Trish, right? They're going to continue their feud going into SummerSlam. Zoe, we don't know how they're going to tie that up. I'd actually finish it up on Monday Night Raw and have Becky versus Rhea at SummerSlam. That's what I would do. Finish it up now. Get it over with now and give me Becky versus Rhea at SummerSlam. God only knows that woman, Rhea, needs a major feud. Because right now, all she is is a manager to Dominic Mysterio. That's all she is. She's the women's champion who's a manager to Dominic Mysterio, the weakest member of Judgment Day. She deserves better. That title deserves better. So I'd finish it up on Monday Night Raw. Becky, Trish, blow it up. Goodbye. Absolutely nonsensical and unimportant. Lame. Nobody cares about it. EO wins it. Who is EO going to challenge? Is it going to be Rhea? Is it going to be Asuka? I don't know. We got a nice little sticky situation happening on SmackDown. She can challenge anybody she wants. This could mean EO can go to Monday Night Raw and leave Bailey on SmackDown. This could presumably end damage control. Maybe that's what we do. Maybe that's the best choice for EO Sky. Because I said, 
Rhea needs competition. And right now, there is nothing on Monday Night Raw. Nothing. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. Oh, my goodness, man. We... bomb from someone in the UK who was at Money in the Bank tonight. I was at Money in the Bank tonight says, have at your, have at you, Snake. With a $100 super chat, I was at Money in the Bank tonight and it was one of the best experiences of my life. So many passionate wrestling fans there. Yeah, chance everywhere you went. LA Knight is ridiculously over. Hope you enjoyed it as much as us UK fans did, man. Have at you, Snake, with a $100 super chat. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you very, very, very much, man. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show, man. You guys came off great on TV. Love the UK audience. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. There was a rumor going around this morning from Mike Johnson of PW Insider Elite about Charlotte being added to the match. There was a rumor going around that Charlotte may take out Zelina and add herself to the match. Thank God that did not happen. Thank God. But uh, EO is the right winner. Thank Christ we got something creatively that makes sense here. And EO wins Miss Money in the Bank. Great. Seth Rollins, he went one-on-one with Finn Balor. This went 12 minutes. Another Monday Night Raw match on a PLE. This was underwhelming as fuck. Really, underwhelming. I know I'm not alone here. I am starting to really, really, really cringe out when I hear the crowd start chanting Seth Rollins theme. Tonight was just... Over-the-top obnoxious. Rollins stood on the apron with his arms out, and they, they, they allowed this to happen for a good two minutes. Like, I get it. I get it. It works for him. It's, you know, the best singles run he's had so far, fine. But leave it to WWE to take something that was, at once upon a time, organic, and kind of just overexpose it and make it very cringy and make it uncool. It's not as cool as it used to be. This match was very underwhelming, man. Very underwhelming. I expected a lot. I don't know why that is. I I don't know if Rollins is hurt. I don't know if Balor is dealing with an injury still. I mean, Balor has not taken a break at all from anything he's done. So this went 12 minutes, and we had a house show event this week. And Rollins was wearing some kinesio tape. He had his rib cage taped up. And this was due to a Finn Balor attack. So obviously this was the story of the match. Balor took over by targeting the ribs early. Rollins fought back with some strikes, a backbreaker, a knee strike. Balor went back to the ribs, hit a headlock, elbow drop. But Rollins defiantly kicked out at a one. He's like, come on, you son of a bitch. You want it? Bring it. Balor hit a sling blade. Rollins came back with a super kick, a buckle bomb, throwback to their SummerSlam match. Balor got his knees up on a frog splash, followed with a shotgun drop kick. Rollins avoided a coup de grace, and Balor avoided a curb stomp. 
They traded strikes back and forth until Rollins called Balor with a Pele kick and a pedigree. Oh, he caught Balor's Pele kick and a pedigree. He nailed Balor with a pedigree, only got a two count. All of a sudden, Damian Priest walks out with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Fans are chanting, cash it in, cash it in. Rollins was distracted. Balor tried for a schoolboy, only got a two count on the roll-up. Rollins confronted Priest, who simply wanted to show up and watch the match. He grabbed the chair. He didn't even look at Balor. He didn't look at Seth Rollins. He grabbed the chair. He sat down with his briefcase, admiring the match. Balor used that distraction to dropkick Rollins into the barricade. Balor then hit a coup de grace off the announce table on the steel steps. Coup de grace off the steel steps. Back in the ring, Balor hits a dropkick. He goes to the top. It looks like, feels like he's going to win it. I thought Balor was going to win the title and then Priest cash in on Balor. And Priest was going to walk out with the title. But as soon as he goes up to the top rope, Damian Priest gets up. He gets up from his chair that he was sitting so comfortably in. Balor looks over. He gets distracted like a geek at the, at the sight of Damian Priest sitting up from the chair. So Balor is going for the coup de grace. Rollins moved. He hit a curb stomp, and that was it. So because of Damian Priest getting up from the chair, Balor turned his head, took his eyes off of the prize, took his eyes off of Rollins, went for the move, missed it, and then ate a curb stomp. That's how the match ended. Anticlimactic as fuck for a world championship. So clearly, after the match was over, Balor was arguing with Priest. Rollins got out of there. It's none of his fucking business. He won the match. He retained the title. But clearly, the story is now Balor and Priest. Is Balor going to ruin Damian Priest's cash-in? That's the story. Io Shirai more than likely will cash in and win a title. What title will that be? I don't know. But every woman that's won that briefcase has successfully cashed in that briefcase for a title. Even Nikki Cross, even Nikki Ash won the fucking title. If Io can't win the title, but uh, Nikki Ash can, give me a break. Give me a break. Balor may fuck Priest out of his contract win. And then we get the split of Priest or Balor from Judgment Day. In this case, it will be Priest, and Balor will replace, replace him with J.D. McDonough. That's my prediction. But this match was underwhelming. Felt like a Monday Night Raw main event on a pay-per-view. Very, very lackluster. Very underwhelming. Very lame. Moving on. Kayla Braxton interviewed Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who were watching the show from a luxury box. Good for them. Owens says it was great to be in London and put over some of tonight's results. She asked Sami Zayn about the bloodline civil war. Zayn says he's been waiting a long time to see this, and tonight was the night that Reigns got exactly what was coming to him. So they're watching this match. Sami Zayn has a vested interest in this match, more so then Kevin Owens. The main event. The Roman Reigns fucking empire. Crumbling right before our very eyes, man. The bloodline civil war. Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, the Usos. Against Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. A lot of fuck you Roman chants in this match. 
Roman Reigns had chants at him that I couldn't even, I, I, I couldn't even understand. I, I think one of them said, if you hate Roman, stand up. Chant. Everybody stood up. Fuck you, Roman. I think there was a solo is a wanker. I mean, they were chanting up and down, man. I just, Roman Reigns at one point was yelling at Paul Heyman about how shitty this crowd is. Sitting on the apron saying that London is a piece of shit crowd. Now, if you watch any Roman Reigns match in his three-year title run, you will understand what a Roman Reigns match is. This match was very slow. This match took a while to get into the next gear. It was very story-driven. They took their time with it. They were deliberate with their time with it. This match went 32 minutes. Very deliberate. I mean, it was past the halfway point, and we were still stuck in first gear. It was only towards the 75% mark where things started to shift into fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh gear here. But this is Roman Reigns. This is how he operates. This is what he's built his title reign on. Reigns tagged in after a while. Hit Jimmy with a drive-by. Sokoa tagged back in. Match slowed, very deliberate by Roman, very methodical. Reigns tagged himself back in. Jimmy couldn't tag out because Solo yanked Jay off the apron on the opposite side of the ring. Good tag team wrestling. About 20 minutes into the match, Jimmy avoided a Superman punch, made a hot tag to Jay, who hit Solo with some punches. Looked like he was mimicking the rock out there, from what I saw. Hit an Inzaguri, flying crossbody. Jay hit a running hip attack. Reigns made a blind tag. Jay figured it out that Reigns was in the ring, gave Reigns a suicide dive before hitting Solo with a suicide dive as well. Jay tried another one. Reigns hit him with consecutive Superman punches. Reigns set up for a spear. Jimmy tagged in, and the Usos hit Reigns with a double spear, and Solo broke up the cover. So we got both teams now in the middle of the ring. They all exchanged right hands. Jay shoved Solo into the ring post. Reigns hit Jimmy with a Superman punch. He goes for a cover and only gets a two count. Reigns went for a spear. Jimmy hit him with consecutive super kicks. Jimmy went for a splash. Reigns caught him off the top in a guillotine choke. I thought that this was it. I thought this was the end of the match. Jimmy used his strength to get Roman Reigns up, powered him into the corner. Jay made a blind tag. Jimmy shoved Reigns into the referee who fell out of the ring. Referee took a nasty spill to the outside. It looked like he got his leg and his fucking uh, balls stuck in the middle rope. The guy yelped in pain on the way out to the ring. So the Usos... They then gave Reigns the 1D with the referee out. Jay covered him, no ref. Crowd counted to 10, it didn't count. Usos went up top for the double splash. Solo made the save. Solo and Reigns, double Yorinages before Solo hit Jimmy with a Samoan spike. I thought this was it. Again, I thought this match was over. Sokoa spiked Jay. Reigns hit a spear. Solo stacked up the Usos for Roman to pin them both. Stack him and pin him. Same thing he did with Edge and Brian Danielson at WrestleMania. And the Usos kicked out. 
Crowd popped big for the double kickout. Reigns, he could not believe it. It looked like Roman wanted to cry. He had no idea what to do. So Solo got angry, thinking that Roman would get angry. Started going at his brothers, hammering with rights. Sokoa super kicked Jimmy onto the announce table. Solo then climbs to the barricade, tries a big splash off the announce table, but Jimmy moved and Solo goes crashing through the announce table. Jay and Reigns exchange blows in the middle of the ring. Super kicks, some Superman punches until Reigns hit a spear and goes for a cover on Jay for a near fall. Jay actually kicked out of the Superman punch at the same time he low-blowed Reigns. Reigns has done this before, away from the referee's vantage point. I was wondering why Reigns looked like he wanted to cry. He looked like he was fucking hunched over like Gollum was Roman Reigns. Jimmy tagged in. The Usos handed out super kicks to both Reigns and Solo. Jay tagged back in. Splashed Roman off the top. One, two, three. Jay Uso pins Roman Reigns clean in the middle of the ring to end money in the bank. Crowd went ballistic. Jimmy looked like he wanted to cry. For the first time in three and a half years, Reigns has been pinned clean. That went to his cousin. It didn't go to anybody else. Didn't go to Cody. Didn't go to Drew. Didn't go to Gunther. Didn't go to Lashley. Styles. Cody. Rollins. It went to Jay. You see the political narrative that is the bloodline in WWE. Now you see it. If you guys want my explanation on everything about this ending, what this means, how I feel about it, legitimately, the first 30 minutes of this show explain everything you need to know. I do not want to repeat myself for the simple fact that if I try, I will not get the point across the way I did in the first 30 minutes of this show. You got absolutely off the script, raw JD in the first 30 minutes of this show. Every single fucking word came from here, here, and here. That's how I feel. You don't like it? Go watch somebody else. You don't get Roman's title reign every day. You don't get Roman's undefeated streak every day. They both should have been eliminated at the same time. Not one and then the other. As far as I'm concerned, this has done everything to diminish Cody and raise Jay Uso stock. Is Jay Uso going to be the new tribal chief? I don't fucking know. But the pin came within the family. Who's to say the championship doesn't stay within the family? They diminish Cody's story. Fact. I don't give a shit about Cody anymore. Now it's all about one of the brothers. Who's going to take down the Roman Empire? Money in the Bank was a good show. A newsworthy show. Was it one of WWE's best? No. WWE's lucky they had the United Kingdom crowd tonight because they delivered on what was 50% a very lackluster show. 
We're about to get into the Super Chat portion of the show, guys. I really appreciate you guys hanging out tonight. If you enjoyed the show tonight, if you enjoyed my take, if you enjoyed my brand of WWE podcast, make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. I would really appreciate it. It helps me out tremendously. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We just blew past 147,000 subscribers. Appreciate you guys very, very, very much. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. I always talk about long-term booking. Blue Chew is going to be your version of long-term booking this summer, man. The temperatures are not the only thing that's rising this summer. Confidence can take you very far in life, man. It also helps in the bedroom, especially when it comes to that time, stepping up to the plate. Bluetooth is going to come in and give you the confidence that you need. It's a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets. And it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can plan ahead, man. I talk about long-term booking. Plan ahead. Be ready when that long-term booking comes into effect, when that opportunity arises. Process is very simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Code JD. You're first going to consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Bluetooth tablets are shipped right here within the USA. Made in the USA. And prepared and shipped directly to you in a discreet package. First impressions are everything, guys. You're going to make a first impression and a lasting impression with Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, Code JD at checkout. I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast. Code JD at BlueChew.com. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Super Chats, let's get them. Allison, thank you for the four months. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Cody vs. Dom should have been on Raw and not the pay-per-view. You know it, Michelle. Mohammed with a five. BC is doing a live reaction and gave the first match 18 uglies. No lie. Why? Thought the men's money in the bank ladder match was great. Tony Brown with a 9.99. Do your thing. IWC King. OTS. You know it, brother. You know it, man. Sonny Singh with a 99.99 super chat. Oh, my goodness. Today, it's Wednesday, Adam's birthday. What sucks is I can't celebrate her birthday because she's still on rehab. Can I get birthday wishes for my girlfriend, Wednesday Adams, please? 
Also, I had a letter from rehab. It says that Wednesday Adams will be out of rehab in January 2024. Everybody in the chat. Let me see those birthday cake emojis for Wednesday Adams. Happy birthday, Wednesday Adams. Sonny Singh, I hope you're holding up, brother. Thank you for the 99.99 in Super Chat, man. We will be here when she's ready to come out of rehab. The Human Resources Director with a 23 months. 23 months and counting, headed towards the Golden Microphone OTS for life. Scripts. Thank you so much, bro. Tony Brown with a 499. Banger, he says. Moretz with 13 months. No message. Thank you, Moretz. Thank you for being here for a full year, brother. Peter Gaymore. They just damaged Roman, in my opinion. They didn't damage Roman. They, they damaged whoever's going to take the title off of Roman. Michelle Moran with a $10 Super Chat. Great main event. Roman versus Jay at SummerSlam, probably. Yes, indeed. Jay pinned the Tribal Chief. Jay gets the title shot against the Tribal Chief. But now the shine is off. A Roman pinfall loss. I wonder how this will affect Cody. May not seem like a big deal anymore if Cody beats him at WrestleMania. It will not be a big deal, Michelle. It will not be a big deal. AJ with the two months. Man, JD, what's up, man? Money in the Bank was a great show tonight. The right winners won. That's debatable. That's debatable. D-Man, 70 with a 499. Money in the Bank was a good show, JD. Sucks LA and I didn't get the briefcase, but at least Logan Paul didn't win it. So no complaints. Braves win another. OTS for life. Did the Mets win? That's what I want to know. Let's see. Did the Mets win? The Mets won. They remain 18 and a half out of first place. Uh, Ali with an 11 months. Thank you, Ali. LA Knight should have won the Money in the Bank briefcase. And JD, where do you see Randy Orton making his return? On Monday Night Raw or SummerSlam? Uh, within the next, uh, I would say... Within the next four weeks, Ali, we see Randy Orton. The only reason why didn't we get Randy Orton tonight is because we got Drew McIntyre. They didn't want to bombard us with so much in one night. Cody Snyder with a five. WrestleMania 40 should go the same as 30 with LA Knight in the place of Daniel Bryan. Hijack the fucking shows. Now, I don't think we'll get to that point, Cody. Matt Fugitive with a two. JD is the IWC Nostradamus. Bro, there's a reason why I say I'm the best at what I do, and it's because we just get it, you know? We just get it. Thank you, Matt. R.D. Alcorn with a 999. Great show. I'm curious if you saw that on WWE's title that Paul Heyman was holding. It was Brock Lesnar's side plates. And I'm wondering if that means anything or if I'm just looking too far into it. Uh, R.D., we talked about that last night. I had a lot of questions about that. It means nothing. It means nothing. The titles that Roman are... The titles that Roman right now have that are being held by Paul Heyman, they don't mean anything. One's a retired title, and the other title is basically semi-retired. 
The only title that matters is the universal title, the new one. They're just too lazy to take the Brock Lesnar nameplates off of the titles. That's all that is. Matthew Miller with a new membership. Matthew Miller, what the fuck are you drinking tonight, brother? Thank you for becoming a member, man. Arrangements with a $4.99. Someone in the press conference is Cody if his story ends with winning the title, and he said not necessarily. I don't think he's winning anymore. Bro, he's not... Even if he does win it, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Tay-Tay, the savior of the 199. The fall of the Roman Empire has begun. Yes, indeed. Lakefront Studios, 999. Roman shouldn't have taken the pin in a non-title match, not to mention Cody's storyline being nullified as a result of said match. You get it, Lakefront. You get it, man. Now tell the rest of the fucking geeks arguing in my comment section on Twitter. Lauren with a $2 super chat. A great pay-per-view today. History has been made. Also a two. What did you think of Cena and McIntyre return? Talked about it on the show, Michelle. It's always great to see John Cena, and I'm happy Drew McIntyre's back. 24, John Cena was Grayson Waller at SummerSlam. Possibly. Cameron Battle with a 9.99. AJD, I was absolutely shocked that Hunter got at least one winner tonight. Also, I was not shocked that Damian Priest won. They just couldn't decide. Corey with a $10 super chat. Love OTS. LA Knight should have won the men's Money in the Bank briefcase. Yeah. First super chat for Corey. Thank you, brother. Hopefully we see you again, man. Carl Stevenson with a 199. Money in the Bank main event is greater than WrestleMania 39 main events. No. This was not better than Cody and Roman. Beyond the script with the 199. Congrats on the studio. Very proud of you. Yes, uh, Jesse and I got a uh, studio in London to review All In. It's going to be a professionally shot live stream, man. It's going to be like one of them uh, big wig uh, fucking uh, Joe Rogan-like shows, man. It's going to be great. Could be a future look at the glimpse of the podcast. Or a glimpse at the future look of the podcast. Who knows? Lauren with a five. Imagine the WWE crowd in New York. Orton returning at SummerSlam. EO deserved the money in the bank. Face turn on the horizon. Judgment Day splitting. Cena versus what? You got a lot of questions there, Lauren. Orton will be at SummerSlam. EO deserved it. She's turning face. Judgment Day's not splitting. They're only kicking Priest out. Cena versus Waller's a possibility. Chad West with the 199. Thank you for the 199, brother. James with the five. The crowd was Chicago from start to the end of that show. Also, that show was a three out of ten at best. A few spots that was nice. Other than that, meh. I don't know if I'd give it a three out of ten, buddy. Uh, but I would absolutely give it, uh, I would give it a five and a half out of ten. At best, a six. 
Chris Phoenix within 11 months. I give the show a solid B plus with Civil War and two Money in the Bank matches along with McIntyre returning to set up a SummerSlam match with Gunther Waller versus Cena. Hashtag OTS for life. I give it a I give it a B. I give it a B or a C plus. Ice Cold Steve with two months. Cody's story is done. His win won't mean nearly his win won't mean nearly as much now that Roman looks human. So much for the adversity. Who cares about it now? Ice Cold Steve, you get it, bro. You get it, brother. Chris Ott with a nine at ninety nine. I think Cody's next opponent after Brock should be Randy Orton. Have Randy basically say, "Cody, prove me." That you're good enough to be champion. That's how they can do the right thing. That's how they can right the sinking ship, says Chris Ott. Yeah, we'll see. That means Cody would have to beat Randy. Do we want to beat Randy in his return so soon? Basic with a 499. Not for nothing, JD, but beating someone who's held the championship for three years is still a big deal. Cody still has a chance to make an impact. No, he doesn't. The impact is gone, basic. You can blame Vince McMahon by feuding Cody and Brock Lesnar for four months after coming out hot after WrestleMania. Wilhelm. 30 months. I agree with you, my brother. I was speechless that the pin didn't come from Cody. And I really hoped it would, but Cody is now screwed for life. He's not screwed for life, man. But uh, it ain't looking good as far as his momentum is concerned. Wild Stallions with $2. Cody's story was over when Vince came back. You know it, man. Devin with a five. Cody's so far removed from Seth and Roman at this point, he might end up feuding with Bronson Reed, the only other legit heel. Who's asking, man? You know, who's asking that question? After Brock and Cody, where does he go? Sean Ray J with 11 months. Great to be part of the OTS family for 11 months. I don't know why, but had a feeling something was going to happen in one of the women's matches. Shayna's turn was a shock. I'm happy to have you for 11 months, brother. Shayna turning was definitely uh, a shocker. I, I did not see... I don't think anybody saw that coming. Luigi Carmine with a $2 super chat. LA Knight got the Cesaro treatment. Yes, he did. What happened to Cesaro and Jack Swagger, man, when they were the real Americans? They got over, didn't they? What happened to them? Buried. You get over, they kill you. You get over when you're not supposed to, they end it. This is not new information. Marcus Zimmerman with 10 months. Hi, JD. I agree with you 100%. Do you think the pay-per-view delivered? Five and a half, six out of 10, Marcus. Chelsea. 15 months in the OTS venue. Hell yes, milestone unlocked. Love chocolate caramel whiskey on fresh ice. Cheers, Lord JD. Never thought I'd see Roman get pinned. Let me at him. A lot of people are upset. 
You'd be shocked at how many people are upset about Roman taking the pin. They're happy that Jay got it, but they're upset Roman lost. M. James with a two. So many piped-in crowd cheers tonight. Nauseating. I didn't hear one fucking piped-in crowd noise. I don't know what you're listening to, bro. Maybe you had on SmackDown from two weeks ago. Not tonight. Johnny with a five. JD, you the best. Thank you, Johnny. D-Man, 199. Keep kicking out. Knowledge, JD. Thank you, D-Man. Willie Teague with six in Super Chat. We will see Lita again. I hope so. Yes, I think so. Why WWE ain't using Bobby Lashley? Because they got no creative form. That's why. Tundi with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, is it me or is this Money in the Bank show uh, a Triple H work? Just saying, what do you think? No, this was mostly Vince McMahon. This was mostly a Vince show. Thank you for the first time, Super Chat, brother. Hopefully we see you again. Uh, DX Tricksters with the 24 months. Just got back from the show, and it was awesome. UK crowd killed it as usual. Poor Kevin Dunn had some work to do with some chance. Yes, he did. I heard some of them fuck you uh, or shut the fuck up chance by great, for Grayson Waller get kind of... They, they tried to drown them out, man. They were too loud. They couldn't drown all of them out. Thank you, Tricksters. I see that golden microphone, brother. For 24 months, it looks good on you. Jarrett Howard with a $5 super chat. Thank you, Jarrett Howard. Vince is like that famous quote in The Dark Knight. You either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain making WWE pay for it. That is definitely Vince McMahon, brother. Jedi Joker with 25 months and a $5 super chat. I thought it was a solid show. I didn't think Roman was going to take the pin. That surprised me. I hate how good Logan Paul is in the ring. Logan is very good. But he's not somebody that should have won money in the bank. Also, is it me? Or was Brock Lesnar's side plates in the old WWE title when Hammond was holding it? Guys, this is not a big deal. It's not. Please stop making it a big deal. The title doesn't mean anything. They are there for show. It doesn't matter whose side plates are on it. Rain Entertainment with the 499. WWE should revamp and bring in a women's European championship. Should WWE bring back unique stage designs for PLEs, Raw SmackDown, etc.? JD Demand. Uh, an intercontinental title would be better, Rain. And uh, I thought Money in the Bank's stage setup was pretty fucking cool, man. I mean, it's not like uh, a, a unique money in the bank setup, but I liked the setup in the O2. I did. Jared Hopfinger with a $5 Super Chat. LA Knight is coming up. Thank you, Triple H. Great booking. The pay-per-view was amazing. I don't know if it was amazing, bro, but we'll give it a 6 out of 10. Sue with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, get some rest. We all, we all need it. Think I'll buy one more drink. Whiskey. Sit back and listen. Yo, you big Sue out. Thank you, Sue. What type of whiskey are you drinking, Sue? I may need one. Have at you, Snake. Thank you for the uh, $100 Super Chat, brother. I appreciate you, man. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Hopefully that was a great experience for you. Wellington T with a $5 Super Chat. Turn Cody Rhodes into... A heel Homelander type gimmick. 
Have him lose at SummerSlam and everyone turns fully on Cody. Heal Cody can save Cody. Not going to happen. He sells way too much merchandise. Sells way too much merchandise. Omega Khan with a $10 super chat. Hey, JD and OTS. One, I'm okay with Priest winning because it gives me a reason to watch Raw. The Judgment Day story. Two, you are 100% correct. Reigns being pinned further diminished the allure of his reign. It does. If you don't think so, I don't know what to tell you, man. It was just as important as the belt he was holding. Hollywood Eric with a $10 super chat. Hey, JD, love what you do. Sitting here watching AW Collision as I'm watching this. You are right about Roman being pinned tonight. Congrats to you saying the haters need to wake up. Thank you, Hollywood Eric. That's why I'm here doing my show in front of 4,300 people and they're watching me in their mom's basement. Daylin with eight months. I want a Jesse Taco. No, you don't. No, you don't. I hear they're awful. Sean Ray J with a 1999 Super Chat. I'm just confused on where Cody goes after Brock because with Roman being pinned by Jay, how does he hold the titles till Mania? Roman holding the titles till Mania just doesn't make sense anymore. Bro, we may get a title change this year. Who knows? I I wish I could tell you. I don't know. Ice Cold Steve with a $2 Super Chat. Great show as always. Keep telling it like it is. Thank you, Ice Cold Steve. Tribal Chief with a $2 Super Chat. Real talk. I'm dying, JD. But OTS makes me happy. Thank you. What do you mean you're dying, bro? You're dying of what? Legitimately dying or... Are you just sick and it's a figure of speech? Kal-El with a $10 Super Chat. Hey, JD, I enjoyed Money in the Bank for the most part and not really disappointed. The crowd was awesome. Have a good night. If Jesse is watching, what's up, bro? Good night. Mustangs rule. Thank you, Kal-El. I might be having a new Mustang this year. We'll see. I got to talk to the bosses. The financial bosses. Edward Liu with a 499 after tonight. What's worse for you, JD? Cody's whoa or Seth's whoa. I, I think uh, Seth's is a lot worse. Love all you do, man. Thank you, Edward. Appreciate you very, very much, man. You are awesome. Cameron Battle with a 499. God, do I miss black and gold? So do I. Once upon a time, Triple H was in charge completely. And the Craig with a $2 super chat. Have you heard Rev Theory's voices 2023? Yes, I have. I can't wait to hear it live in front of a full audience on Raw. Guys, we are done. Probably the last time you'll see me this weekend, man. Hollywood Eric. Hollywood Eric. One last super chat. Jesse needs to face Larry the dog and that you are the one who tells it like it is. All hail JD, the best podcast in the IWC. Hollywood Eric, we're going to end on that one, brother.
We're going to end on that one. Guys, this is the last time you'll see me this weekend. I don't think I'll have anything tomorrow unless there is news, a lot of it, coming out of Money in the Bank. You won't see me till Monday. But I appreciate you guys hanging out tonight, man. We were live in front of 4,300 people, number one in the community. Thank you guys for always being here and wanting to hear what comes out of this show every time something big happens, man. OTS is the destination for it on YouTube. Thank you guys very much, man. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. We just hit 147,000 on YouTube. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. And Blue Chew. Hit on my sponsor, man. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Get your free sample. $5 shipping and handling. Guys, have a great weekend, man. I love you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your love and support. And I'll see you guys right back here live again on Monday after Monday Night Raw. See you guys. Just to feel something MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.